Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. Did you know that there is a gem of a genealogical resource right in your own backyard? Well, at least in your own neighborhood, and also in just about every neighborhood where your ancestors lived. The public library is one of the most underestimated sources of genealogical information around, but in today's episode, we are going to change all that. I have invited Patricia Van Skyke, Manager of the History and Genealogy Department of the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County, to join us here on the podcast. In this episode, she's going to give us the inside scoop on the unique genealogical resources that are tucked away in public libraries just waiting to be discovered. Each library does often have unique materials, particularly as they relate to their local areas. And what I think is really exciting about this is these resources are often things that you can't find anywhere else, that you can't find them on the web especially. She'll give us tips for prepping for our visit. We have lots of people that arrive at our library with books already identified that they want to look at or call numbers in hand. Um, Certainly, even if you don't do that, you should at least have an idea of, you know, what ancestors are you going to be looking for, the types of sources, the types of questions that you're going to need to find the answer out to and getting the most out of the online library catalog. And um, also don't use the word genealogy because you will either get a gazillion hits, (laughs) many that are not related to what you're looking for, or you'll miss things that are important because the person cataloging the book called it lots of things, but they didn't call it genealogy. And Patricia will help us formulate the right questions to get the answers that we're looking for. What bogs some libraries down is when the question is, you know, can you help me find my dear Aunt Tilly? (laughs) But if you're just asking us our hours and basically our operating procedures and things that you should know about, I mean, I would expect a very quick turnaround on that. So dust off your library card and grab your book bag, and let's head off to the library right after this. I first met Patricia Van Skyke when I interviewed her for the Family Tree Magazine podcast, a monthly podcast that I also host, and I was really impressed with her expertise and enthusiasm. So I've really been looking forward to having her on this podcast series. Patricia manages one of the largest genealogy collections in the country, housed at the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. She's also an author, a web developer, conservator, curriculum leader for distance learning classes, and trustee of the Ohio Genealogical Society. And she also lectures widely on the topics of urban immigration and census research, as well as genealogical librarianship. Patricia holds master's degrees in history and library science and is a graduate of the National Institute of Genealogical Research. In this first episode, Patricia gives us an overview of the unique collections that we may uncover 
in our visit to the public library. Well, Patricia, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. I'm happy to be here, Lisa. Hi. Hi. You were the first person I thought of when I thought about wanting to talk about public libraries and how genealogists can use public libraries for their research, because you've been a guest on the Family Tree Magazine podcast, and I know that you have some terrific collections there in Cincinnati, but one of the first things that struck me when I was talking to you in that in that uh, interview was that each library seems to kind of have its own unique um, benefits and collections, and sometimes we forget, we, try, we tend to think of public libraries in one overview idea, oh, you go and there's reference materials and there's whatever books they have, but some of the collections are really unique and can be really valuable to genealogists, as well as the fact that they're not always unique just to that area. So um, I wanted to just talk with you first to kind of help people get a feel for this about the unique benefits that a researcher can get at a public library. And you being there in the genealogy department, I thought maybe you could kind of give us a sense of what the genealogists can look for. Surely. So I think you make a wonderful point when you say that libraries are very different and they don't all look the same. They, you know, are different sizes, have different resources, different populations that that they serve. Um, And each library does often have unique materials, particularly as they relate to their local areas. And what I think is really exciting about this is these resources are often things that you can't find anywhere else, that you can't find them on the web especially. So when you go to these libraries, you're going to literally stumble across some things that you haven't seen elsewhere. Some of the things include city directories, which are available all online and are available in microfilm at other libraries, but there's no one place to date where you can find one comprehensive set of city directories. Uh, maps are another example of uh, resources that, again, are not very well represented outside a particular local area. So you can find land ownership maps and lots of information that can really help you. And then I think something that almost every library, large or small, has is some kind of an obituary index. And it may be a card file still. It might be something pretty sophisticated online with lots of different search functions. Um, But again, something that's been developed in-house that's very special to that library's collection can be just a terrific boon to genealogists. The other thing is that uh, public libraries uh, are big fans of partnerships. So they often have partnerships with things like local historical societies, local genealogical societies. In fact, sometimes those organizations are actually housed in the library itself. In our case, our local genealogical society doesn't even have a library. Uh, They just give all of the books that come their way to us and all of their publishing material, um, again, comes through us. So we are, in effect, the Genealogical Society Library, as well as our own public library collection. Um, Another thing that a lot of libraries, large or small, have the ability to do is partner with other organizations. For example, we're part of something in Ohio It's called OPLIN, which is the Ohio Public Library Information Network. And 
by virtue of the fact that we are at an Ohio public library, we can get subscription databases to special newspaper indexes and things like that that um, either a person at home would not be able to subscribe to or they would not be able to subscribe to it in an affordable sort of way. I think Heritage Quest is a good example of that. People can get that at home if they go through a public library website sometimes, but it's something that's only available to public libraries. And more and more we are seeing databases that are saying we're not going to market directly to the customers. We're going to use a public library as sort of our clearinghouse. So in a sense, the public library, whether you're talking about physically coming in, and I hope that I give you enough reasons to have people physically come in, or going online, that the public library is still the portal. And if people are just trying to go out and Google or do something or hit um, one commercial database that they've subscribed to, they're going to be missing an awful lot of things. Oh, I think you have given a tremendous amount of inspiration for why we should visit the public library. And, and you know, what really comes to mind as you're talking about all of these unique resources is that oftentimes we go to our own public library. I know in, in my area, they have, they actually have a genealogy room and they have books on all the different states and everything. So, you know, I've kind of scoured through that, but really what you want is you've got to tap into the public library in each location where you're researching. And we don't always think of that. We might look at them online, but we don't really think about making the visit that when we go to that area finally to do some research, we've got to stop in at the public library and ask about those unique resources. Like you mentioned, um, well, city directories, and you're absolutely right. There is no one clearinghouse. <laughs> so um, it's good to know that public libraries may have a, and there may just be a smattering, right? It's not necessarily that you would have a comprehensive collection. You're going to have whatever has come your way that you've had room to store, right? Well, um, it depends again on, on the size of the library and who the library defines as their audience. And yes. our particular library, because, you know, we're a very large national collection, we will collect city directories perhaps on microfilm from anywhere. Uh, in fact, we aggressively go out and search for that. Oh. But really at a bare minimum, most small libraries, even the small libraries, will attempt to collect all of the city directories of their particular area. So um, you can often expect and have good luck in finding nearly every one that was published for that particular area. Oh, that's terrific. So while you may not have yet obtained every single year, at least we know that that is oftentimes a focus and that if anybody's going to have them, chances are the public library in that region would have them. And then you mentioned partnering with um, genealogy societies. And, it, and again, it made me think of uh, a local library here that's just in the next county over and that genealogy society does not have its own location. They meet in somebody else's building, and so all of their reference material happens to be in the local library. And and that's, again, something that I wouldn't always necessarily think of. Um, and it's not necessarily the case for every library, right? Right. 
Um, exactly. Some will have separate organizations or separate buildings and all of that. Um, but another thing that, again, usually you see a lot of cooperation between the public libraries and genealogical societies, even if they are completely separate in terms of their space, collection, and so on. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is that the, one of the resources, and I uh, imagine we'll talk more about this in detail as well, that the library has to offer is the level of expertise that we can offer. And um, again, public libraries, large and small, tend to often offer uh, genealogy programs, and they can be everything from beginning, how to get started, to very advanced and very specialized resources. And uh, we see that more and more people are coming in the door, not just to look at our books on the shelves, but they want to know more about how to do cemetery research or how to research passenger lists. And that's something that, again, we've been able to partner with the Genealogical Society here because we can't always afford to bring in, you know, a big-name national speaker to talk on some very specialized topic. But when we partner with a couple of uh, organizations in town, including the Genealogical Society, we have more places to sort of underwrite the cost of that. Sure. And then, of course, our librarians are very expert in and of themselves, so they often offer some of the programs as well. Well, and you're absolutely right. That is um, something that I want to cover in our next segment is is how to make the most of the in-house visit, how to prepare for it, how to tap into the folks that are there. Um, but before we end this segment, I wanted to ask you, um, from the standpoint of a public library, is it unique to each library how committed they are to the local history and genealogy, or is that something that's encouraged at the national level for all libraries to to look at that as a focus area? I would say it's very grassroots. So it's a decision that's made on each library, and it's not necessarily something um, that is pushed from the top or from a national organization. Um, and I think also libraries just being pretty democratic in nature, uh, they're, especially public libraries, they're looking at what their constituents want. So they wouldn't, even if a national organization was saying every public library should have a genealogy collection, um, they wouldn't necessarily be paying as much attention to that as they would be paying attention to what their local constituents want. Now that being said, almost across the board, local constituents want genealogy and local history. In fact, I was speaking to somebody last week from the Ohio Department of Transportation who had worked on a local tax levy for a library. And he said the library, the levy went through the first time and it didn't pass. So they had to go back to the taxpayers and give it another try and they tweaked it. And one of the things that they did is they said, if you pass this levy, we will give you more genealogical resources. And the, li the levy passed easily. And he <laughs> His claim is that they spoke to something that the customers were truly interested in. And yeah. I think you see that a lot. Well, that's a good thing to keep in mind as genealogists in our local areas to go in and, and um, talk to the reference desk, let them know what we're looking for and what our interests are, and, and even um, volunteer and get involved if we want to see more of those kind of resources, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I did want to say just a few other plugs for uh, libraries, too. Of course, is that the public libraries tend to have better hours than you can find just about any place, uh, government or private organizations. And, of course, they're free, so they don't charge admission. Um, so those are two things that hopefully would be added enticement. We'll be right back with more from Patricia Manskyke on public libraries right after this. In our second segment, Patricia is going to help us prepare to get the most out of our visit to the public library. Can you give us some ideas of when we finally get lucky and we know we can make a trip, let's say, to the a region or a state or a um, area where our ancestors come from, and obviously it's an investment of time and money, we want to get the most out of our visit to the local public library. Um, you've certainly made the case that uh, we would be amiss to not stop by that local public library and see what they have because you, collections are so unique. So what can we do before we leave home to make sure that we're going to get the most out of that visit? Sure. That's really important because when you're here, you want your time to be well used. So the first thing that I would recommend is to do as much advanced preparation as possible. And that might even be looking up um, what some of the resources that you might want to use. We have lots of people that arrive at our library with books already identified that they want to look at or call numbers in hand. Um, Certainly, even if you don't do that, you should at least have an idea of, you know, what ancestors are you going to be looking for, the types of sources, the types of questions that you're going to need to find the answer out to. So, for example, if you're stuck, you don't have a death date on a particular ancestor, then you might want to be making a note of that sort of thing. Most libraries do have online catalogs now, again, um, whether they're large or small. And so if you can go to a library's website, the very first thing that I would recommend that you do is to explore their online catalog and see what kind of resources you think might be helpful to you. And when you do that, what you want to do is you want to look at the geographic area that you're going to be searching not the person's surname. So I wouldn't put in Van Skyke um, in the Cincinnati Public Library's online catalog. If I did, I would get one hit. But there might be lots and lots of resources like marriage records from the 1880s in Hamilton County. So instead, I would want to look at Cincinnati or Hamilton County or Boston or whatever the geographical area is and get a sense of the resources that are there. So, for example, again, that person whose death date you were looking for, you believed him to be in this particular location in a particular span of years. And when you put that geographic term in, you see that there's something that's called uh, death certificates or death notices from the 1870s. And you're thinking, okay, well, that would be a possibility um, because... You know, that's in the window of time when he might have died. So this would be a book that I would want to look at when I go to the library. A couple of other things that I would really recommend is that if if there's the opportunity to do an advanced search to use that, and not because you have to be so advanced to use the advanced search, but often the advanced search lets you specify things a little bit more clearly 
And sometimes the functionality of that just works better. And um, also don't use the word genealogy because you will either get a gazillion hits, <laughs> many that are not related to what you're looking for, or you'll miss things that are important because the person cataloging the book called it lots of things, but they didn't call it genealogy. So I would strike that word from your vocabulary when you're doing um, a catalog search. The other thing that um, I would recommend you doing, and this is something that um, it really sort of surprised me before I started taking an in-depth look at cataloging to discover that um, on a library's website, they usually have a website, and then they usually have something that you can link to the catalog. But there's lots of things that are on that website that are not in the catalog. So, for example, there might be an obituary index that's on the website but not in the catalog. Um, There might be microfilm collections or certain magazines that would be helpful to you that are on the website. There might even be city directories that have already been digitized that you could look at and then not spend your time looking at them when you go to the library and look at something else. And those, again, might be on the website, but not in the catalog. So make sure that you don't just jump straight to the catalog. Some libraries even have what are known as genealogy rooms on their website. And what they've done is they've pulled together resource, all kinds of resources that would be interested, of interest to genealogists, but not necessarily all gathered together in the catalog. So be sure um, and look both places or all places. On that's, the website. That's such a great point because that has changed a lot. Even in the last five years, I think when libraries first started coming online, it was all about just trying to get your catalog online. But nowadays, it's really a website. It's a website for the area, for the, the library itself. And as you say, um, to keep in mind that things like databases, because you are really putting online more actual resources. I've noticed um, some libraries are putting on digital image collections and things that go well beyond what you would find in the catalog. So using that website as a resource, just like we would any other genealogical resource, right? Exactly. And then the other thing that, and again, you can usually do this straight from the website or pick up the phone if you're not real technologically inclined, but absolutely you should contact the library in advance. And um, you might even want to just make sure that the website is up to date or the hours that are listed there are the days that they're open. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, you know, where should you park your car? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's the best time of the day of the week to come? Are things like extraordinarily busy on Saturday and Sunday and you're not going to get as much individual help? Um Things like is the library Wi-Fi, so should you bring, you know, your laptop in and expect that you can also get um, a signal to, you know, be able to do multiple levels of searching. Um, things like uh, do you need change to feed photocopy machines or do you All buy right. a copy card? Um, you know, are there any special collections that you should know about? Or maybe they even do orientations. Maybe the first hour of every day or every Wednesday, they do an overall orientation to the department. Um, And so that might help you decide, like, well, gee, I think I'll start my research trip on this day and I'll start with an orientation. 
And if you're traveling with a group, some libraries will even make special accommodations for a group. Mm-hmm. Do a tour and they'll tailor it to the particular interest of your group or they might have a meeting room that they can set up for you to eat your lunch or uh, do your research or whatever. So, again, I think that libraries are very much about trying to tailor um, the needs of the customer to what they can offer them. So I would suggest, you know, contacting the library and getting all of that information in advance. And it's a small investment in in some time and maybe a few dollars on a long-distance phone call just to um, make sure that you're going to get the most out of the time that you spend there. You know, everything you were describing is what I think about when I'm planning a trip to the Family History Library in Salt Lake City. But really, it's applicable to any time you travel to go to visit a public library. And I've noticed, too, that um, oftentimes I can send an email if I if I give them some some time, um, you know if I go a week or two in advance and I send an email to the library and maybe ask some of those questions. Um, oftentimes they're more than happy to email back and just reconfirm, yep, that's correct, and this is what you need. And by the way, you know maybe you should bring your digital camera to take some photographs of things. And don't you find that that this case that um, do you get swamped with emails, or can we expect that we would be able to get a response? Oh, at our library you would get a response, and I think at most you would. I mean, yeah. I think what bogs some libraries down is when the question is. You know, can you help me find my dear Aunt Tilly? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but if you're just asking us our hours and basically our operating procedures and things that you should know about, I mean, I would expect a very quick turnaround on that. You know, in most cases, I would think in a day or two you should get a reply back. And if we found something um, either in the catalog or on the website or we're, we're not seeing what we're looking for, we could probably email ahead to ask um, might you have something in this area or that area so that you can know whether it's worthwhile bringing materials, you know, for that kind of research or not. And you guys could at least, conf- you, you can confirm for us whether or not you have those kinds of resources. Oh, sure, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think the reference librarian is a very underutilized um, person in a library. I found that the the gal that I've seen at our public library, she's just so willing to sit down or help me come and track down a particular item or whatever. And and oftentimes you guys have just the experience of being in that library and all the questions you've heard that can sometimes bring to light an answer that isn't written down anywhere, right? That's right. And that's one of the things that I really want to emphasize is that the librarians don't just know the collection, but they know research strategy and methodology, and they know what's inside a particular book, too. So, you know, somebody is looking for something, you might think an obvious place would be, you know, this, you know, again, you know, if I'm going back to this, you know, looking for the death notice of somebody, somebody, you might think this book on 1870s, death notices is the place to go for that mm-hmm. but a librarian might know that it, indeed that particular book didn't really have that ver- that much information but if your ancestor was german there's a german cemetery that covers german deaths better than any other source better than any newspaper any death record or whatever and so just talking with the reference librarian in library ease we call that the <laughs> reference interview okay 
then, you know, we can help you get to the right source and tell you how to use that source and even help you with your brick walls or say how to integrate the various sources. We often will say to somebody, now, this book right here will give you this. And what you'll want to do is you'll want to look for this particular information in this book. And when you have that information, come back to us and we can use that to then go to four or five other different sources once you have that off of this book or this map or this city directory or whatever. So we really need to not be thinking about the folks who are in the library as someone who's going to help with the, you know, our individual research. What we really want to do is tailor our questions to say, knowing what we know about what we're trying to find, tapping into their knowledge of what they have and what might match up. So, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we, like you say, you want to say, well, what about Great Aunt Tilly? When in reality, the the real gems that you guys have in your knowledge and in your databases is what the library can offer, how to find it, and and which items will and won't perhaps answer those kinds of questions. I think that's such a great way to, to go in with that mindset. And also, even though I said to go ahead and identify some sources, because of course that's helpful, um, you know, again, don't think that, you know, well, I found this book on 1870s death and that's it. Or to also to phrase a question, now hopefully the librarians can look beyond phraseology, but sometimes we'll have people come in and say, do you have death certificates for this particular year? And the answer to that question may be no, but we have other ways that we can find the death information. And Ah. hopefully a librarian will not take you at your word and just say yes or no, say no, but we have this. But really the better way to ensure that um, somebody isn't a mind reader and all of that, again, is to pose it in terms of a query. Like, I'm trying to find when this person died. I think it was about this time period. And then that sort of opens the door to the librarian to be able to probe with you all of the wide variety of sources instead of narrowing the question down too quickly. Great suggestion. that brings us to the end of the show, but we've just gotten started at finding those genealogical gems that are waiting for us at public libraries. In our next episode, you'll learn more about how to think like a librarian and tap it into their unique local knowledge and collections. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. 
Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.